Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. What's up, guys? Well, I think our listeners need to know that we're already off to a stellar start of trolling, so we should give a fair warning that I don't know how this episode's going to go. <laughs> Anthony has brought his troll game hard. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, trolling you is one of my favorite extracurricular activities. <laughs> we are less than two weeks till Christmas. Oh my Where did the time go? I don't know. Seriously. By the time this dropped, well, we were, we're just... like a week and a day away. But Shoot. Yeah. We were just talking about Leprechaun's Christmas Gold, bemoaning the fact that we were far enough away where we were still doing crappy movies just to get them out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're doing real Christmas movies because we're really in the middle of Christmas season. I was cleaning through my, cleaning out my phone of old pictures and memes and like gifs I've randomly saved and forgot. And I have the gif of that banshee from the Leprechaun's Christmas Gold turning around and her eyes are all red and she's laughing hysterically. (laughs) And that was one of the ones I saved. I'm having a really hard time not going down the gif gif combo right now, just so you know. I don't want to bring that up again. Because I remember that we've had this discussion. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the only things you remembered. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So before we get going, I just have to say, Monday night recording that Patreon episode about commercials was probably my favorite night we've had, the three of us together, recording. It was so fun. Amazing. And I think it... Anthony said it best when he said as he was recording that it's probably our best episode we've done. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's live on Patreon now. So if you guys want to check it out and haven't yet, you really should. And I'm kind so of regretting we that we picked five or six of our favorite ones, right? Was that the number? I think Seven. I ended up with nine. Okay. So if you think about it, it's almost, it felt very similar to me, like us picking our favorite five to nine favorite mini Christmas movies and talking about them. And we all loved each one of them and had memories associated. Yeah. That was magical. That was one of the nice things about it because we didn't argue like we do with the movies. Sometimes we we're all pretty much, Oh yeah, that commercial was great. God, I yeah. Felt, yeah. I really, at times like you guys brought up commercials. I had long ago forgotten about that. Just took me back to childhood. Uh-huh. Um, I've been talking about that that episode, the recording and the commercials we did. I've been talking about that to Chris with Christine for days. <laughs> oh, so if it you're was not such a-, a good uplift of the mood too, sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but it was like, I don't know. It it really 
really got me even more in the Christmas spirit, watching those little nuggets of Christmas awesomeness. Feels well, like what's interesting? <laughs> well, that's what I was about to say. What's interesting is doing those commercials, which are range from thirty seconds to like three minutes each, right? And then mm-hmm. looking at the amount of crappy movies we've covered this past <laughs> year and a half, it is amazing how such short little snippets can give you all the feels so much more than a full length quote unquote Christmas movie. I think it also yeah. says something about our generation that. Uh, actually, our whole podcast does how much entertainment fits into our idea of, of celebrating the holidays, right? Um, mm. If you're not a Patreon subscriber yet and you want to hear this, part of me really regrets that we did this just for Patreon because it's it is so great, and I think some of our listeners are going to miss out. But if you subscribe for as low as a dollar a month and you can cancel anytime, you can catch that episode. And I really do think it's worth worth the buck. And for all our foreign listeners who sometimes uh, ask us to cover more foreign content, which we do plan on doing next year, uh, there was a plethora of foreign... We had more foreign commercials covered when we recorded that commercial episode than we did American ones, so... And not only English-speaking. I mean, we had had stuff that I doubt anybody has seen. Like, Julia had a treasure trove of Polish commercials out of... (laughs) I don't know where she found them. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's worth it. So um, you guys can all throw your dollar bills at us and uh, check it out. It's worth it. I promise. <laughs> no stripper joke, Tom. Was that as far as you were going to go on the main show? I really wanted to let Anthony. I really wanted to say Anthony. I thought, I thought you'd pick that up, like you do the dollar bills in your second job. Oh my god, <laughs> Tom. <laughs> Where do you think I work? I get at least fives thrown at me, okay? <laughs> it's a high-class place. You're way better so. than I ever was. <laughs> Man, it was like a hailstorm of change. special really something <laughs> okay Just, i don't know if i'm able to read the synopsis after that <laughs> i gave you guys fair warning before we started i didn't know where this episode was. <laughs> oh man i'm, I'm so tired I'm okay i think i've got well it. okay <laughs> So what are we talking about, Anthony? Well, it's funny that in regards to the commercials, you mentioned that it brought you right back to childhood because the movie we're covering tonight brought me right back to childhood. And that is 1985 Santa Claus the movie. So, Julia, do you want to give us a plot synopsis? Yeah, I'd love to. In ancient times, a master toy maker discovers a magical kingdom of elves at the North Pole and becomes Santa Claus. But when Santa's eager to please elf Patch leaves the workshop for the big streets of New York City, he becomes mixed up with a dastardly toy tycoon's plans to take over Christmas. And so begins Santa's modern day adventure to rescue his faithful elf and save Christmas for all the children of the world. I pulled that from IMDb and I feel like that's not the movie. That's pretty solid. I don't like it. I don't like that description. Uh, I think it's essentially what it is. And I'll tell you why if you get into the movie. Patch gets off way too easily in that description. 
<laughs> okay, so before we get into our histories, and I'm really curious to hear Julia's history because I think I know what Tom's history with this film is. I just want to run through the credits real quick. So this movie was produced by Pierre Spengler and Ilya Salkind, and they're most well-known for producing and contributing to the first three Christopher Reeves Superman movies, which makes a lot of sense when you're watching this movie because this is yep santa's like a superhero this is like a superhero origin story this film mm-hmm. the film was directed by don't know how to pronounce his name Genot. works oh genois genois i think written by genois schwartz no i don't know by somebody and <laughs> <laughs> He, um, he's most well-known for directing Jaws 2 and Somewhere in Time, which I've never seen. I've never seen either of those. Somewhere in Time is that one with Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour, right? Truth be told, the only Jane Seymour I know is Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. What yes, I was, was right. It? You were right. Somewhere in Time, 1980, Christopher Reeve and Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Was there a good movie? Um, it's been a, oh, Christopher Plummer's in it too. Um, it's been an extraordinarily long time since I've seen it, but I remember it being pretty romantic and sweet. Well, I, I mean, I love both of those actors. So, mm-hmm. so this film was written by David Newman, uh, who did Bonnie and Clyde, which I, I love that movie. And he did the, he wrote the first three Superman movies. So lots of Superman connections here. The story is written by David Newman and his wife, Leslie Newman. Again, she worked on all the Superman movies as well. The music was done by Han- Henry Mancini, who did the Peter Gunn TV series. He did the Pink Panther film series, including coming up with the iconic theme and uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. That's and crazy the- town. I had no idea he did this music. Yeah, pretty cool, right? Very cool. And the lyrics to the songs in this film were written by Leslie Bracuse, who... I was surprised to see how much she has to her name because she has written some awesome lyrics and films dating a while back. So she did the Goldfinger theme song, the James Bond movie. She wrote Talk to the Animals from the original Dr. Doolittle. She wrote the lyrics to Candyman and Pure Imagination from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, so good. She... Candyman can. <laughs> she wrote the lyrics to Can You Read My Mind from Superman. She wrote the lyrics to Somewhere in My Memory from Home Alone. She oh, so wrote good. the lyrics mm-hmm. She wrote the lyrics to When You're Alone and We Don't Want to Grow Up from Hook. And she wrote the lyrics to Christmas at Hogwarts from the first Harry Potter movie. Oh my goodness. This girl's a rock star. You know when we were talking about all the references to uh, Superman and all the and with this I was like, man, I wonder what the Harry Potter connection is going to be. Now I know. Now it feels like an episode of Just the So, <laughs> we got our Harry Potter connection. Check. Our comic book connection. Check. Our connection to another Christmas movie. Check. So, this movie stars David Huddleston as Santa Claus. He's most well-known for Blazing Saddles, Crime Busters, and The Big Lebowski. Dudley Moore plays Patch, and he was in Foul Play, Ten, the original Arthur, Mickey and Maud and part of Beyond the Fringe. John Lithgow, second appearance on our show as the villainous BZ. And we've went through his credits already, so I'm not going through them again, but 
John Lithgow is a legend. Yeah. Judy Cornwell plays Anya Claus, Mrs. Claus, and she's most well known for Keeping Up Appearances, which is a British, British show. Comedy. Funny. Yep. Christian Fitzpatrick plays Joe, and he was only in one thing, vice versa, besides this movie. Uh, Carrie Kai Heim plays Cornelia, and she was in The Parent Trap 2 before retiring from acting. John Berard plays Dooley, the elf, and he's kind of like that uh, head elf with the long mustache, the gray hair, who's with them all the time. And he has a lot of bit roles in British television and British movies, but uh, according to Wikipedia and IMDb, this is his most well-known credit. So, And then... He's only in one scene, but I had to mention him. Burgess Meredith plays the um, old wise elf. He had a name. I forgot to mention the name. But he's the one who explains to Santa, you know, before his first flight, his whole deal. And he was Mm -hmm. the penguin in the original 60s Batman TV show. He was in the Rocky film series. He was in Foul Play, The Twilight Zone, Clash of the Titans, Day of the Locust, Of Mice and Men, The Story of G.I. Joe and A Walk in the Sun. So this guy is like a legend. But that was our second comic book reference of the night already. So good cast all around. Mm-hmm. So let's get into our histories. Cause, and Julie, why don't you kick us off? Because I'm excited to hear what yours was with this film. Yeah, so <clears throat> movie came out in 1985. I can't remember if I saw it in the theater or not because I would have been pretty darn young. It's a definite possibility. I did see this very, very young because it has a lot of markers in it that have stuck with me throughout my life as the, the precedent to beat when it comes to certain Christmas themes. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. I love this movie as a kid. And I think my parents enjoyed watching it too. You know, when you see movies with your kids and your kids really like it, but you kind of hate it because it's super obnoxious. For some reason, I feel like my parents also liked this one. So for what it's worth, that's my history. Oh, watching it for this podcast is the first time I've seen it in probably 30 years. Wow. Did your your kids watch it with you? They did not. The plan was for them to, but life got in the way this week. So I plan a rewatch for them to watch it also. Tom, I think I know your history, but... (laughs) Um, I didn't have one. I didn't know about this movie until we started talking about it for the podcast. Um, I tried watching it with Christine and Ellie. Both of them got beyond bored. And when the L's came, Christine's like, what is this movie you're watching? I'm not, I'm not down. So I ended it. It took me another three times to start to actually to, of starting this movie to actually get into it and, and finish i finished it finally today i was planning on finishing it yesterday but then when we decided not to record i'm like mm, i'll wait and then i finally got to the end today there's definitely um a line of demarcation when for me when the movie pick got interesting and i'm in, i'm i'm looking forward to discussing that as well me too me too <laughs> So my history with this film is very similar to yours, Julia. I saw this movie really young, not in theaters, obviously. I wasn't born yet there. I got my age joke in for the evening. (laughs) My age jab in. (laughs) 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 I saw it really young. And like your parents, this is one of the movies my parents actually really enjoyed too. And I reaffirmed that with them recently because I, when, yesterday, talked to my mother about it. Yeah, I, this movie was a big part of my childhood. I loved this movie as a kid, and 
like you, <laughs> again, this movie has a lot of, this set my precedent for a lot of things Santa mm-hmm. and his workshop and everything should be which we'll talk about in a bit. But then this movie disappeared for a while. They stopped airing it on TV as much. They released it on Blu-ray a few years ago, and that's when I picked it up again. So I I have watched it every year for the past few years, just because I own the Blu-ray. But because television doesn't show it anymore, it really only gets one watch a year compared to things like Elf and the Santa Claus, which are on ad nauseum. Mm -hmm. But uh, I will say every time I watch it, well, we'll get into that when we get to our gender discussion. But that's my history. So I watched this Sunday with Sarah, who saw it for the first time, and oh. uh, she really enjoyed it. Hmm. So. Right. So, Julia, watching again 30 years later, and Tom watching it for the first time, which one of you wants to kick off what do you think of this movie now? I'll let Tom go first. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I wasn't blown away. Like I said, um, the beginning of it was really hard to get into for me really hard for me to get into i do like a good santa origin story i feel like they could have done some stuff to make this more exciting i was trying to figure out what i didn't really you know what didn't really jive with me and and i surprisingly i really enjoyed this the the special effects they had in this it was just great to i mean it was like a trip down memory lane right like everything is so over the top now um just seeing the kind of campy cheesy hokey i mean i'm sure at the time in 1985 these were not the best graphics either Um, But it just felt like watching something from childhood. The storyline, until it got to the point where Pat left, I was bored out of my mind. I really was. That is so interesting for me. Because a lot of people say, like, this movie is two movies, right? His origin and then the modern day. But I like the first half so much more than the latter half when he's becoming Santa. You too. Okay. So that's really interesting to me because the latter half, like I, I still really enjoy this movie and, you know, nostalgia is a powerful force as we've learned in the past. And I'm not sure, and I'm sure I'd probably fall more where you are if I'd seen it for the first time. Well, maybe not because Sarah liked it and she generally doesn't like this stuff, but the first half of the movie is the stuff I'm really into. Like when he's becoming Santa and makes his trips and, you know, you Just see- so slow. It's when we get to the kids and John Lithgow's over-the-top cartoony oh. villain that uh, that's when I, I won't say lose interest, but that's when I'll check my phone more, whereas the first half I'm glued to that screen. Oh, yeah. When you say he's cartoony, I mean, between the cigar and the laugh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. But we do have another origin story here. We see how John Lithgow got to another planet for Third Rock from the Sun. oh john lithgow was just too 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 much i don't know if that was a directing choice if that was his choice as an actor but man it was not believable yeah yeah sorry julia so how about you yeah what do you think 30 years later so when i think back about this movie i remember parts of the second half but i really remember the first half Right. So and because I think that thing, and I love the first half of this movie. It's so 80s looking, but like when I sit and I think and I picture in my brain what Santa's workshop looks like, it's this movie. Every part Absolutely. of it. When I think about what the reindeer look like, it's this movie. When I think about who my Santa is, my first Santa, it's this guy. I mean, across the board, the sleigh, everything, this movie absolutely set Santa's image and Santa's location in my mind. And it is perpetuated. It just I, has. I love the elves. I love the elves too. 
But yeah. I was going to say, just to piggyback off what you said about Santa, like, I feel bad for David Huddleston, right? Because, you know, again, this movie's not shown a lot. So everyone has in their mind Richard Attenborough or Ed Asner or Tim Allen, but I don't know, man. When I watched this, I felt like I was watching Santa. Yeah, absolutely. That's who he is. This guy is just Santa. Just um, from his physical appearance, but also the, I, the costume's beautiful to me. It's, and, it's simple and yet it is. It's timeless. And I, I totally agree with you guys 100%. The, the setting of it is beautiful. It's very Scandinavian feeling, which uh, mm-hmm. looking at who put this movie together makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I did find funny was when they were talking about the song about Santa. And he's like, is that really how they see me? All I could think was Christmas Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that because even the effect of how he goes down and up the chimneys, it's that same kind of blurring effect yep, that yep. Mm-hmm. Russell Santa as well. And he does the finger on the nose. He does the finger on the nose. Mm-hmm. So just because you brought that scene, Tom, I want to talk about that scene for a minute because Judy Cornwell, Judy? Yeah. she may not look how I picture Mrs. Claus, but I love her portrayal acting wise of Mrs. Claus. Oh, like yeah. I love that scene where <laughs> Santa's hearing that poem about him for the first time. And she's just standing beside him trying to choke back her laughter <laughs> as the elves are reading about how he has the big stomach. And that to me, she was warm. She was also stern, just like him. She ribbed him, which a good wife should always do to her husband. Like, <laughs> I, lo- I loved her, Mrs. Claus. I loved her too. I loved her clothes. Good. Yeah, I've always loved this woman as... Mrs. Claus. So quick question. Do they die in the snow and then they're resurrected? So that's what I wanted to talk about. That's how I always viewed it. And I still viewed it that way watching it this time. They died and it was kind of like that was their, Yeah, you know. I don't remember how I viewed it as a kid. But when I watched <laughs> it this time, I'm like, they died, right? <laughs> because oh. Anna was watching that part with me and she's like, did yeah. they just die? And I'm like, I think they did. I didn't catch that. I thought they were like on the verge and saved, right? You know, these elves are like, oh, this is what we've been looking for. And and they say, I don't know. Yeah. What what surprised me about that scene this time around, and again, because I don't watch it as much as all the other stuff, just for virtue of it not being played a lot, I forgot how quickly, like within five minutes, they die or near death, and then they're at the North Pole. Like Mm -hmm. they take off, no pun intended. But (laughs) So aside from that part... And referencing what Tom just said about how slow the first half is, this movie does like to take its time. And I say Mm -hmm. it that way because to me, it doesn't feel slow. Not the first part. To me, it feels perfect. But it's not a rushed movie at all Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. And I I really like that about it. But I think it's because I have the nostalgia and the feels. (laughs) I really do wonder if Tom had seen this as a kid like us if he would appreciate the first half more. I'm really I'm, interested to in see what your kid thinks. What your kids think, Julia. Oh, me too. Yeah, I really am too. So we'll have to have a little... Uh, when we talk next week, are they going to watch it before next week? We'll see. It's Christmas. You never <laughs> know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. true. <laughs> that's right. So there's one aspect of Santa and Mrs. Claus's mythology that they kind of hint on in this movie that I liked that I don't think any movie has really touched on before. 
and it's more so that the elf said, you know, that Santo is supposed to be somebody who never had kids of his own. So the children of the world would be like all of his kids. And I really like that, that they never had kids. So they embraced the world's children as their own. When he's carving that little thing that turns out to look like Patch and he's talking about, well, you know, he's talking about Joe and like what their son, what their son could have been like. Mm-hmm. so he's automatically he's got this image of joe in his head and he's thinking okay joe could be like our kid so you're not only did the elves tell us that but that's really what he how he and, and mrs claus view them right right and i think that's a wonderful aspect of their characters i do too i liked that a lot mm-hmm. and, and speaking they, they of the world mm-hmm. i love and it. speaking of joe i like that um this movie focused on Santa kind of befriending and taking a homeless child under his wing because we don't see that a lot in a lot of Christmas films. I know some do touch on it, but, you know, what ha- what does Santa do with all the homeless children out there or the less fortunate? And I like that he befriended this one. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. I don't know if you I was I saw I was reading the news this morning. I saw uh, Sesame Street is getting its first homeless character. Really? Um, which is interesting. They're they're. So, because I, again, I had never seen Santa's, I had never really, um, total white privilege here. Um, I had never thought about how homeless children, how that, that Santa mythology goes about with them, you know. Um, mm-hmm. We donate toys, kids get them, but you don't really think about how, you know, how Santa would interact with children like that. Um, so that was kind of cool. And then they're also, at the same time, I'm watching about uh, Sesame Street engaging with, with children who are homeless. It was just, it was an interesting day. Um, hmm. Got me thinking about things that I hadn't thought about previously yeah that's another aspect of this santa that's different than most of them santa intentionally engages with children which is not something we usually see in the santa mythology not just joe but also uh cordelia um Mm -hmm. well not just the kids either when all the patches toys started malfunctioning he even made a comment should we put out a statement like he has a publicist to (laughs) (laughs) yeah But I thought it was interesting when, when, when Cordelia wrote Santa the letter in January, which was also a funny idea, how taken aback everybody is about a kid's letter coming in in January. Santa immediately is like, okay, we got to go to Cordelia now to save Joe. Like, that's not something a usual, San- a, a typical Santa movie would even, I mean, that would be just outside of the realm of something Santa would do. He would not go face to face. I mean, like he may go save a child, but he would not go enlist the help of another child. Because um, mm-hmm. there's always this idea that we have, that the kids need to be away from Santa. Santa loves them from afar. And this Santa so, is a personal Santa. Oh yeah, he is. I like that he treats his reindeer so well, like pets, which is my big thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the elves. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, very, he's, really good to the elves. he's very personal with, personable with, with everybody and thing in this. Mm-hmm. Comet was not an important elf in this. I mean, important reindeer in this. No, no it was Donner. 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 And not only was he important, he had his own arc in this film. Mm-hmm. He did. He was, he was afraid of heights, wouldn't do the super, super duper looper, mm-hmm. but he loved Patch. Patch was always very good to him. And then when Patch is in danger at the end, that's when he manages to pull it off and save the day. And I loved that. The pointless um, super duper looper. That didn't that, have to happen. That did not need to be in the story. <laughs> but um, see, I like I like that because the show's like Santa's doing this for hundreds of years, right? It's just he's finding ways to have fun with it. Right. No, I totally. Yeah. No, it just from a like physics perspective, he really didn't have to do it. Just no, right underneath him. 
<laughs> uh, the super duper looper, by the way, is uh, featured in the Radio City musical when he's flying to New York at the very in the opening. He always does a super duper looper on his way in. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's funny. Oh, I didn't know that. So Prancer had always been my favorite reindeer because of the movie Prancer, which um, I honestly have no memory of except for the fact that I remember being a real downer. It always it made was- me like Prancer. Um, but I think this may have moved Donner up to the number one spot. Yeah, really? I was thinking above Comet. I'm not a big Comet guy. Oh. I feel like he's overdone. He's a showboat. So I, I was trying to think I like step back Comet. There's eight other reindeer. Be you know. <laughs> so so obviously Comet's been featured in films. Donner, Prancer, Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Are there any other films? The other not we don't five. have any, we don't have any other vixen. Cute. Cupid was the one Mrs. Santa Claus, right? That got injured. It was. Oh, that's right. Okay. It was. So then you've got Blitzen, Dasher, Dasher Dancer, and, and Vixen. Vixen. We need some more. We need some more reindeer movies. We need some more. Actually, you know, be really cool. What? A reindeer origin story. Like, where did these reindeer come from? How did they get involved with Santa? That'd be a cool movie. Well, I really like that two of the reindeer in this one. He was him. Like he used him to get through. Right. The they have an origin. Were they the same two that got the that got sick at the end? No, they were. The flu. Oh no no no! It was they got the flu, the reindeer flu. That's the uh, that's one we haven't had yet. <laughs> no, that's not true. Vixen was sick in the year without a Santa Claus when he had to go down to the warm weather and because she was getting sick and rescue her from huh. the town. So second time we've had the reindeer flu on the show, oddly enough. But you know, I, I mean, in like real life, we've never had that. You know, we have the Asian bird, avian bird flu, and we have swine flu. We got the, the swine flu that year. Did you really? Our whole family, yeah, we all you, got it. So now I'm going to start banging the gong about a Swedish Swedish reindeer flu. We need to be worried. That's the next big global catastrophe on the on the horizon. <laughs> if Santa keeps hanging out with Joe and Cordelia, he's going to spread it to humans. So. I love that it was Mrs. Claus who gave Santa, we talk about Santa being a pushover with the naughty nice kids, right? Yep. And it was in this movie, it was Mrs. Claus who told him he needs a naughty list. Yep. Because he was like, they're going to think I'm only giving to nice kids. Well, sh- isn't that how it should be? And I loved that. Yeah. Yeah. I also liked her involvement in the origin of his, his, uh, his oh, coat. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, green's not really his color. <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys notice suggested brown <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though she says green's not his color but then he wore green like pajamas and lounge pants yeah. a lot around the workshop yeah. i actually really liked the shot the one shot we got of them i think it was their first night at the north pole of their bedroom it looked like a little hobbit hole like oh yeah and he's what did he say do you want to go look around she's like i really don't want to get out of this bed it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> And she looks so comfortable in there asleep when he climbs out. So perfect. I loved it. A, that's it's my so life goal is to have a house that looks like that. Yeah. <clears throat> little hobbit hole you sleep in. Yep. Make my house uh, so warm it's almost nauseating. There you go. That's what Do I you guys notice some of the blatant prod- product placement in this film, though? McDonald's. Yeah. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola cans looking like that. You know, the, just the Coke cans like that. Yep. Boxy and circular, you know, but they were like, and they had the the classic logo on the yeah. Yes, McDonald's had tie-ins with this movie, so they had toys from this film and Christmas ornaments with their Happy Meals. Oh, that's cool. The one that really got me though was when they zoomed in on Cordelia putting the food out for Joe. 
and it zoomed in on the Coca-Cola can. I'm like, oh, this is not even solid. <laughs> yeah. You know, the yeah. rest of it, the rest of it, you could get off. You know, you could give some some leeway for subtlety, but that was just blatant. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I guess it makes sense. That's you know, Coca-Cola, Santa. There's kind of a tie-in there too. Yep. Yeah, the McDonald's one was pretty beat you over the head too. Yeah. They showed what four different people eating four different things from yeah, I guess so. Hamburger nuggets. Yeah. Oh, and that one girl in the very beginning, and I don't know why I honed in on it, but she's so he's got his face pressed up against the mirror, the window, and he's starving. And you see this one girl. She sits down with a tray, and before she even sits, she has like two handfuls of fries, and she just goes, oh, and I'm like, that's not how you eat fries. And she just like dab them in her face fast enough. I'm like, oh boy, we get it. You like your McDonald's. I don't eat French fries very often, so that's probably how I eat fries. <laughs> Although I got this amazing food, like air fryer. Yeah, we had one of those. Oh, I got the the Ninja Foodie. Um, no product placement here. It's an air fryer and uh, <laughs> air fryer. Sure pressure cooker and slow cooker it's like the instant pot but it has an air fryer with it too and it is amazing Dude. that thing's incredible i have one of those too you got the ninja foodie oh. yep. i use it probably four nights a week yeah you could, do, you could do like yeah it's good it makes the best I fries agree. ever so ninja foodie if you're listening we'll accept our checks uh you could just make them <laughs> this is a podcast or if we're you just, just want to send julia we'll and send a free one to julia ninja foodie yeah that'd be great i'd take that <laughs> Merry Christmas to me. I'll write a review for it. <laughs> so we've only been focusing on the first half of this movie so far. Okay, so there's the scene after we realize John Lithgow is Cordelia's uncle, where she is sitting under a giant portrait of John Lithgow. I did not see that in the house at any other <laughs> shot pre that revelation. Where they, che- I mean, it was so cheesy, the reveal. Like, they're like, oh, your uncle's home. You should go say hi to him. And she goes in the room and he's sitting in the chair looking at a wall. And just yeah, and he whips it around in his chair. A, yeah, her. like, <laughs> what are you looking soap at, creeper? Oh, it was Wait. so terrible. Yeah. So, soap opera review, reveal? Yeah, reveal. Yeah, it totally was. 100% Julia. <laughs> Julia or Tom, do you want to explain to the listeners, like, the thrust of the second half of the movie? Since the first yeah. half is really his origin. Only if we're including, only if we're going to call Patch the traitor that he is. <laughs> so we've got um, a position opens up at the North Pole where they need a a head elf, right? Somebody that could be Santa's right hand man. So it comes down between two elves, Patch, and then what was the other one? It's that other main one. I just called him Beardy because he had a beard. Beardy. He did okay. have a beard. So Patch decides to mass produce toys, and um, the other elf continues to make them by hand. So at the end of this competition, Patch has created a ton more toys. But what you see is they're poorly made, and mm-hmm. the idea is that because it's like a factory and their work line, and it's they're not handmade anymore, that the quality has greatly dipped. So Santa, not knowing the quality has dipped, decides to pick Patch as his head elf. So then. Christmas happens, all of these toys get distributed to kids, and the toys start breaking as kids are playing with them. So that causes a major issue for Santa, right? Like, why is Santa bringing defective toys? So that causes a rift between Santa and Patch that's mostly Patch made because Santa's like, Santa takes the job away from him, but Santa doesn't make him leave the North Pole. But Patch is like, I need to leave because I did a terrible job. So Patch leaves, goes to New York City. Um, because he sees this Beezy's commercial, right? Beezy's toys or something. 
And BZ yeah. is John Lithgow. Yes. Who's a who's com- and whose company's in trouble. Major trouble because he's also has defective toys, but like highly dangerous, flammable defective toys and panda bears filled with broken glass, which by the way, can I put a pin in that for a second? Cause there was a Saturday night live skit in the 1970s with Dan Aykroyd and Murphy Brown. I'm pretty sure Candace Bergen was either the guest host or she was a cast member. I don't remember which one where they had this skit where Dan Aykroyd is this sleazy greasy smarmy toy guy from the northeast probably new york city and he's selling yeah he and one of the things that he's in trouble for selling is like razor blade teddy bear and he's like a teddy bear full of razor blades and he's like well you know what man it's like a good seller like you know what i'm talking about and the skit's hilarious but i don't know this is exactly like that skit and so I don't Julia, know what happened because the other or what. Julia, I love you, but please, please don't do that again. <laughs> no, Julia, you were just the the atypical New Yorker right there. <laughs> you guys think you we all write around? Skit, I sounded exactly like Dan Aykroyd. I, I believe it. I mean, it's possible they took from that, right? I mean, you see all these everything. Like not even just Christmas films, but like everything borrows from one another, right? So they could have mm-hmm. been inspired. SNL. especially snl i wonder about that um so we've got bz's this terrible awful person um so patch sees him and does not realize he's a terrible awful person comes to him and says hey um i would like to help you out i've got this really cool idea for a toy for kids for christmas and it should make you a big hit <clears throat> and so bz immediately takes the bait by the way with nothing like what a terrible businessman like he doesn't get a proof of concept he's just taking the word of off of this crazy person off the street as far as he's concerned that's why he was hauled in front of the senate at the beginning of this movie (laughs) (laughs) so patch ends up creating a sucker that will be put underneath every kid's tree they're free and the sucker makes these kids float and i say float because they don't quite fly because we talk about flying later so they just he gives them a little bit of what they give the reindeer to fly in the north pole and it makes the kids float a bit and the kids love it and it's super fun so it's a big hit and bz decides oh i'm gonna mass market these bad boys and by the way let's jack up the concentration because we really want to offer the next best thing so Patch is like, uh, I was just going to do this thing. So Santa saw that I could do this really awesome thing and give him credibility again. And then I'm going to go back to the North Pole because I'll be welcomed back. And that's just a portion of the story, by the way. <laughs> like there's a lot going on in the second half. Santa, well, there's this girl who's we find out is Beezy's niece. She's affluent and she has a nanny, I'm assuming, who is continually writing her about what she's supposed to be doing. And mm-hmm. it's that whole like rich kid, not having fun, you know, life is, is woe is me who um, mm-hmm. sympathizes with this homeless kid. She sees outside Joe. And mm-hmm. so they, they have this like relationship through the window. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Santa comes and he, he befriends Joe while Joe's out in the cold and, Santa, you know, shows him, hey, yes, Santa is real, gives him a ride on the, the uh, sleigh, 
and then takes him into Cordelia's house and they become friends. So there's this whole Wait, like can we put a pin in Joe taking the sleigh? I, I loved when Santa gave him the reins to fly it and he made Santa get motion sick. He was flying it too fast, which is really funny when you think about it because Santa goes around the world in one night. But <laughs> anyway. The endless night, they call it. The endless night. Yep. Joe and Cordelia end up hearing Beezy telling this his confidant that, you know, his, his this guy comes to him at three in the morning and says, oh, by the way... Uh, the candy canes you're making to cause kids to fly burst into flames. And he's like, well, I don't really care. We'll just get the money and uh, we'll leave the country. Joe and Cordelia overhear this. Joe sneezes because he's sick. BZ decides to catch Joe and says, quote unquote, put him on ice, which I always thought meant kill him. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought it meant, but they, they just tied him to a pole. They, just, they end up putting him in a car and then tying him to a pole. And Dudley Moore finds it. Patch finds him. Um, and Santa comes to rescue him. Um, we, we get a lot going on here, guys. A whole lot going on. Yeah. But again, even though there's so much going and it is really happening quickly, it's not rushed, like Julia said. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read this one Reddit comment we got. Because I think it's going to uh, lead into a Tom rant, which I'm always happy for. <laughs> so... Uh, G.J. Davila on Reddit commented on our post about this movie. I remember as a kid feeling so betrayed by Patch. Poor Santa, dot, dot, dot. Tom, do you want to go? I do. I mean, like, I get it. It's, like, not intentional, but Patch almost destroys Santa, right? I mean, with these bad toys and then uh, positioning John Lithgow in this place to you know, usurp Santa as the giver of toys to kids. And that's what John Lithgow is trying to do as an evil villain, as an evil villain is to be, to replace Santa. He actually comes out and says that. Mm-hmm. And it's all Patch's fault. Every bit of it. Instead of just saying, you know what, Santa, I'm sorry. Let's do things the old way. He's like, nope, I'm going to go out and I'm going to fix this by taking North Pole magic and giving it to all of the children around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, which by the way, the North Pole magic just looks like gold schlager to me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> But I will tell you, if you're listening to this, it does not make you float. But yeah, I mean, Patch is kind of an idiot, but he really does betray Santa at a huge level. And Santa Santa seems so hurt. He does. Santa's really hurt, but then it's just like all gone away at the end when they save Joe from BZ and expose expose BZ for days. So why were the... So nobody knew about the... Okay, here's a a question, a, a story inconsistency that I didn't get that maybe there's just something I missed on my first viewing. The authorities are coming for BZ... But nobody knows yet that the candy canes are, are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Why I thought are his assistant, his assistant went to knows. the authorities. Oh, he went to the authorities? Did I miss that? I don't remember. He was remember. standing aside with them at the end. Oh, oh he was? Catch that. Okay, so he tried to do the right thing. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. But um, to get away, BZ eats a bunch of the candy canes and ends up fl- flying away. And the police are like, oh, where's this guy going? And then at the <laughs> very end, we see him in outer space. Which Heading I'm, to third row. I'm no astrophysicist, but I uh, don't think that's how that works. <laughs> I think he would have burned up in the atmosphere. And if not, I definitely think the lack of oxygen in space would have caused him to be no more. Well, I always heard in space, you can't hear anybody scream. And yet oh he's pretty, pretty far into space. <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> I have to say boo. <laughs> <laughs> 
boy. That's from Aliens, right? <laughs> it, I think that was the tagline. Yeah, in space, no one can hear you scream. Yep. I tried. Oh, that was that was good, Anthony. Well, <laughs> how sweet it is when the when Joe is trying to convince Patch that he's friends with Santa, and Patch's like, "You don't know Santa." And he's like, "Yes, I do. He made me this." And Patch looks and he's like, oh, "It's my elf portrait." Like that moment was really, really sweet. That and was. Patch realizes, oh crud, Santa's a good guy, and I'm a total jerk. So why don't we talk favorite scenes and quotes and stuff? I'll kick it off. My favorite scene is right is Santa's first flight. Like how all the elves line up on the sides to see him take off. And Mrs. Claus just has tears in her eyes. She's so proud of him. But just the joy on Santa's face as he's laughing as that sleigh takes off into the air for the first time. Mm-hmm. I loved that. It was magical. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, the effects kind of look a little dated. But they make that, I feel like that gives it part of its charm. I just love everything about that. How it transitions into like, you see time passing and him... Yeah. Living presence through the years and becoming Santa with each passing year. I just yep. love that montage, which is typical for an 80s movie, right? You need a montage. That's absolutely right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we talked about the poem, the Santa Claus poem that's read while he's standing there. That's one of my favorite scenes. And I'm not going to recount it, but the whole scene, the way he catches that part as they're reading it, he and he tells his wife he's like I quite like it it's really a pretty good poem and then they keep reading and he's like what did you just say run it back <laughs> the elf is like uh and he reads that part again like and then the after that you love see- and the Santa's yeah. like jelly <laughs> jelly <laughs> yeah and he's like is that how they think I look and Mrs. Claus can barely contain her laughter she's like well the cookies <laughs> the cookies <laughs> And then literally it's a perfect transition. It's just a cut to him sitting at the dinner table eating like carrots and celery. (laughs) Miserable. Totally miserable. To my knowledge, this is the first time Santa has self-conscious approach to his weight, right? Yeah. Which we see again recurring uh, in the Christmas Chronicles. And it is a preoccupation of Tim Allen in the first Santa Claus movie. Yeah. That's, That's my favorite scene, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. I also really liked when Santa met Joe for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure why he met Joe. That didn't make a whole lot of sense. But anyway, Joe's on the, the roof or on the ground and Santa uh, comes up to him and he's talking. And he's like, Do you, don't you know who I am? And he's like, yeah, you're a nut. And he says, I'm Santa Claus. And Joe's like, yeah, I'm the tooth fairy. Right, I'm the tooth fairy. And then Santa teleports them up to the top of the building. <laughs> and he sees the sleigh and Joe's like, Santa's not real. And you just see him immediately like, holy cow, everything I thought I knew is wrong. (laughs) So, and I like how Santa tries to like bond with Joe. Like, obviously the reindeer don't need to go by saying yo, but that's what was popular in the 80s for little boys, right? And little Mm -hmm. girls. So that's what Santa uses to try to bond with him. Do you know yo, you know? I thought that was a very Santa type thing to do. Empowering him to lead the reindeer. Yeah. I also really like how the letters get to the North Pole in this one. They magically, like, you oh, write a letter in. Yeah. And at night when everyone's sleeping, the letters get carried up there in a magical wind or whatever. I liked that, too. And I equally liked how the toys were returned in the same manner. That made yeah. me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, imagine if we could return toys to Santa. That would be- <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I don't. 
I don't really remember what toys were like in 1985, but I definitely cannot count the number of toys I got um, after that on Christmas that broke same day when they were made so cheaply. Yeah. Or maybe it was just my cheap family. I don't know. I mean, cheap Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of, uh, I'm looking forward to that on Christmas this year. That's Ellie's favorite thing right now. She holds a toy behind her back or she'll hold something behind her back and be like, daddy, I have something behind my back. And I'll say, what is it? It's just a little broke. <laughs> it's just a little broke. It's just a little oh, broke. Oh, sweet baby. She's I like, love that. You can fix it, Daddy. Oh. <laughs> I like how awkward Joe is talking about girls with Santa. Because Joe asked, did Corny get anything? Uh, the little girl. Oh, are you two seeing a lot of each other? <laughs> and he just- he just blushes he's like actually yes actually (laughs) (laughs) what do you what do you guys think about them adopting the two of them at the end mr so santa and mrs claus joe and cordelia at the end because again joe's homeless and at this point cordelia's guardian her evil uncle is floating off into space somewhere Mm mm-hmm I don't know it creates a little bit of weirdness if those kids end up growing up to be like in love because that's definitely right. what was happening right right i kind of like to see a sequel to be honest i feel like they're setting up for a sequel i mean again this is like a superhero version of santa right mm-hmm. his origin story you almost kind of feel like there should have been a sequel with another quote unquote villain maybe krampus mm-hmm. oh, my <laughs> <laughs> oh i was gonna say i like how we develop we we understand that that I don't know what his name is the super mustache old elf guy. Mm-hmm. Um, super mustache. <laughs> that was legit. That was um, legit. <laughs> when Santa asks, "How can I? You know, how is this? How am I going to do this in in one night?" And the elf gives the explanation that would answer you know questions for kids. It says, "Well, you know, this time travels with you. The night of the world is a passage of endless night for you until your mission is done. This is your legacy and your gift as is." the gift of flight. Now all those within the sound of my voice and all those on earth everywhere know that henceforth you will be called Santa Claus. And now everyone, Merry Christmas. Yeah. yeah. I like that too. I like that. It's, it's ambiguous. It's got enough play on words there that, oh, okay, this is this is how Santa does it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does it mean that time travels with you? I have no idea, but hey, <laughs> I buy it. <laughs> I feel like the movie though ended, I wanted to bring this up after the adoption, ended a little suddenly. Adopt them, dance party, and like you don't really get a last. Con- <laughs> you don't really get a last conversation with Santa and Patch, which I feel the movie could have needed, like an apology oh, yeah. or something. Definitely. And uh, the adoption just issue gets glossed right over. Although I did like uh, Dooley saying, as if I don't have enough things on my plate already, now I have to be a school teacher as well. And they're like, school? <laughs> oh, that was so hokey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I wouldn't expect to go to school at the North Pole either. <laughs> I agree with you. I think the end, we should have at some point seen Pat thrown into a dungeon. <laughs> That's the satisfaction I needed. <laughs> so, so i'm gonna posit a theory that this movie does have a sequel what is that what is it the santa claus and that the santa that falls off the roof and dies is this guy oh my gosh poor mrs claus when the elves just throw her in the dungeon where pat should have been <laughs> wait so what happened to all the cool elves that got replaced by <laughs> Bernard, Curtis? <I> <laughs> 
Hey, it could be the workshop could have evolved over the years. It looked similar enough. Wooden, the first one anyway. I'd really rather have Dooley than Curtis. Mm-hmm. I like. The I really. Like, has yeah. begun. Disinfection <laughs> <laughs> process has begun. Disinfection. <laughs> so one last thing. I have an interesting exercise for us, for each of us. Okay. If we were going to pull our favorite, like, Santa from a movie, our favorite Mrs. Claus from a movie, like, if you were going to have a <laughs> mashup, like, your perfect North Pole Santa Christmas movie, where would you take the workshop from? Where would you take Santa from? Where would you take Mrs. Claus from? Et cetera, et cetera. It would all be this one. Really? really? Yeah. Because this Santa works with this Mrs. Claus, and this Santa is my favorite, so I can't divorce the two. And these two have to be set in this North Pole because that feels right. And then these elves have to be in this North Pole. So by default, they all have to be there together. I'm not kidding when I say that this movie. This is it. This is it as far as these things go for me. Yeah. What about you, Tom? Ed Asner. Mm -hmm. Angela Lansbury. Mm -hmm. The Santa Claus North Pole. I think of what elves I would want. Elf. Oh, elves, elves. The elves, elves. I I feel like I would grab like Bernard and Judy. I'd grab Dooley and Patch, and I'd grab like a few of the uh, like the best elf workshop ever. There you go. <laughs> that would be amazing because I do like Bernard and Judy. I love Judy. Oh, yeah. And, I love and Dooley was. I do too. And Julie and uh, Dooley was cool in here. Mm-hmm. He was. He was very personable. I think for my Santa, Mrs. Claus, though, I'd go with Angela Lansbury, and I think I may have to give it to David Huddleston. Yeah, I'm with you, then, Julie. If I, these two worked really well together, though, mm-hmm. they did. They had they, a great. Chance. It looked like a couple that had been that had had grown old together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I believe they were in love. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and I'd have this Donner and the Comet from the first Santa Claus. <laughs> yes, the first one. Yeah, definitely. Okay, 100%. now what would be what would be absolutely awful would be Santa slay Santa, <laughs> the Santa Claus two Mrs. Claus Curtis and Patch in uh, and the Angel from One Magic Christmas for whatever reason. <laughs> just throw him in there. <laughs> just, let's just get bad and bad. Yeah. Mrs. Claus from the Santa Claus 2? Oh, yeah. She was just so not. She I liked her. I mean, Too yeah, young. But... For me, it's really the age thing. But that was because Tim Allen was young, right? But he looked old. Yeah. Well, that goes back to what we said at an earlier point. Right. When they at the end, she should have transformed into she Mrs. Should. Claus. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. But she didn't. Right? Yeah. That's what I mean. And now it's awkward. Yeah. And now it's just awkward. Yeah, <laughs> and for a little tease for our listeners who aren't subscribed to Patreon, it goes back to the question about bodily fluids. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> the commercial that I made you watch. <laughs> oh gosh! I sent I that to my that sister. Ever. I sent that to my sister, and I have to tell you guys what she said. I said, "Okay, you need to go watch this." She's like, "My phone's charging. I'll watch it later." And then I wake up the next morning, and she said. Um, <laughs> will, I will never be the same. I will never get those precious moments back in my life. That oldest girl had the most amazing lines. <laughs> so, so I do have to ask Tom, and then we'll rank this thing. Would you watch it again? I know he wasn't. You're not as high on it as me and Julia. Um, I'd like day. to watch it when Ellie's a little older with her. I do like the Santa origin stories. I mean, that's just 
something I'm going to get into, you know, over and over again. I, I like that. I, it won't be an every year thing for me, but I'll watch it again. It was, it was entertaining enough that I'd watch it. You definitely would, Julia, obviously, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll watch it again. So oh. does this movie pass the Linus test? 100%. I feel like this is a trick question now. <laughs> well, I mean, we see Pat's change. And yeah, we, no, I, I agree that it and does. We see, a, we see a change with even Santa and Mrs. Claus when they get their kids, right? And we the, the, whole, the whole arc has a, uh, well, I mean, a, yeah, it does. What do you think, Anthony? I 100% agree with you. I think it does, okay. too. I, I, Anthony just had that look like I'm gonna I'm gonna about to school you guys on why this doesn't apply this moment. <laughs> no, no schooling tonight. Tonight, be the keyword. Tonight. <laughs> I'm not ruling um, it out. <laughs> you know I'll school you every other week, Tom. <laughs> so do you guys want to rank it? Do you have any last things to say about it? Any last things to bring up? I'm ready to rank it. Uh, my ranking is gonna be higher than I originally had thought. I'm gonna give it a seven and three quarters. I'm going to go with an eight. I'm going to go with a nine. So we ended up with eight and a quarter. 8.25, which ties to number 10 with Love Actually. Right. You know, I think the more I think about it, being a little removed from it, and as we've talked about it, the more I realize I liked it more than maybe I thought I did. I should have watched it earlier and maybe given it a second viewing. I think this is one of those that when I watch it again, I'm going to be like, man, I should have. It's going to be another star for me. (laughs) Except better. The star is, I'm serious. The star is going to haunt me more than any other movie on this list, I think, because I was so harsh on it. I went back 50 years from now, what, when you're recording our final episode, you're going to be like, the star, my biggest regret. Yeah, my deathbed. What do you regret most? It should have been nicer to the star. That was my death rattle, in case you guys didn't <laughs> So, you know what I've discovered listening to these past few episodes? I find the closer we get to Christmas, the better moods we all seem and the funnier the episodes are. Because I swear, I swear, from the beginning of November till now, they are some of the funniest ones we've put out. I agree. I think we've shared this. Anthony gave Julia and I wonderful Christmas presents. Mm -hmm. Julia gave me an amazing Christmas present. Um, Although I am having a hard time finding the perfect place for my impish sticker. I'm really taking this, like I'm giving more thought into where the sticker is going to go than any other sticker I've ever had, Julia, just so you know. Oh, I do that with stickers I love. Oh my gosh. Forever to put my Tis the Podcast one on somewhere. I have, I'm making, I have having something made for you guys that is really cool. I don't know if it'll be ready for Christmas, but I think even if it is, I'm going to surprise you with a random post-Christmas late January gift to give Ooh. you guys. So know that, know that I'm not ignoring you guys and I have, have not neglected you at all. Um, I'm, I figure we're all getting enough right now. Like you guys spread out your gifts nicely. I'm going to do something to cheer you guys up after the, uh, when we need it most. We'll appreciate that. Yeah. More than you ever know. We will really appreciate that. <laughs> is it going to, is it going to be a little troll with your faces ahead? <laughs> <laughs> great idea oh, me. i've got to buy my uh I, I give my family every every year uh, like an eight by eight or a ten by ten canvas print of my face so I gotta get that. <laughs> do you really i've done it a few years just to oh my God. It. and my mom every time thinks it's gonna be something really cute of ellie and then she opens and she's like oh my and they're never like normal pictures they're always ridiculous <laughs> it's like butterfly or somebody will do like oh you get a ten by ten for two dollars and 
<laughs> so yeah, I highly recommend that, Julie. You should totally do that for Marty this year. I really need to Just give him a super over the top hokey picture of you. <laughs> so Tom, did I believe you wanted to bring up something to discuss? I did. I wanted to know if you guys have found any cool new Christmas music this year that you like. Anything that's been added to your list that wasn't there before? Well, I, the one album I've found and love is because of you. You told me about the Ingrid Mickelson. Mickelson. Um, her Christmas album is awesome. It's rolling up there with my standard Christmas fare. Like it's just welcomed into the family. So that's my favorite new thing this Christmas. So for me, I like John Legend's album, the one he released this year. But for me, for Christmas music, and I know I see I'm more I'm more likely to give leeway to newer Christmas new brand new Christmas songs rather than covers of the classics because I love for the most part if you go through my Christmas playlist the older classical versions are the ones on the playlist. Mm-hmm. So when people do albums that are mostly just covers, I'm just like I'll listen to it once twice, but I'll always go back to the originals. Mm-hmm. So this year, I mean, I like John Legend's album. So again, a lot of his was covers mm-hmm. and they were okay. I feel like it's hard to top the originals. I I'm more like new songs. He did a really good job. Well, well, see, the reason I would go more lenient on the new, on new songs, it just in my mind is at least they're attempting something new rather than covering something that was perfect to begin with. That's kind of where my mind is, if that makes sense. Did either of you guys check out the Simon Hajar on Bandcamp yet that I talked about before? Huh. I'll send it again. You guys should. It's amazing. Christine found this this band. It's a Swedish husband and wife couple called Salt of the Sound. And they do amazing things with Christmas music that's like hauntingly eerie and beautiful at the same time. And then there's this guy I know, Charles Ellsworth, and he does he is the father of what he calls Dad Rock. And he has a Christmas song, a new Christmas song out this year. Yeah, it's Dad Rock. It's it's uh, it's interesting. I'll um, Charles Ellsworth. I'll post a link for this for you guys, and then we can share it online too. Anyway. And if you want to hear more Christmas music talk, tune into our last show of the year. We're gonna go in depth on some Christmas music. And if you have Christmas music suggestions prior to us recording that, you can share those and any other suggestions you might have, as well as feedback um, on our social medias. Uh, you can find us at. Tis the Pod. If you're on Twitter, you can find us um, by looking for Tis the Podcast on both Instagram and Facebook. We have a subreddit, r slash Tis the Podcast, on Reddit if you like to talk to people there. We're pretty active on there. And then um, you are always welcome if you don't want to contribute any additional feedback to just give us a review if you haven't yet. It helps other people find our podcast. Um, so you might be able to help other raving Christmas fans out there find some new content as well. Um, You can leave a review anywhere you get your podcast. So the Apple podcast store or Podbean or or wherever you get your podcasts. And again, we've got some great content on Patreon. Uh, We just wrapped up our, our final Patreon bonus of the year. Also for all of our Patreon subscribers who are at the $3 and more level, um, you'll have a little gift coming to you in January as well to brighten your post-holiday season and next week dropping on christmas eve can you believe that we will be covering 1983's classic a christmas story which i'm actually pretty excited to talk about the week after again our last show of the year we'll be talking 
in depth about Christmas music, our favorite stuff, our least favorite stuff. Insert Christmas and Hollis joke here. Ha ha, we get it, Tom. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, it should be fun. And also keep your eye out for a bonus episode in your regular feed next, next week. week. Oh my gosh, when we say next week, we mean Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Speaking of almost Christmas, we are only 192 hours away. Eight days, guys. It's one week. I can't oh believe it. Oh my gosh, that. a week. Next week we'll that be saying, makes me giddy. <laughs> next week we'll be saying 24 hours. Tomorrow, <gasps> no weeks. Oh my, gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. A PSA from your friends here at Tis the Podcast as we're getting closer to Christmas. Slow down. Take time yeah. to enjoy the season. Have fun with those you love. Don't get caught up in the holiday hubbub. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.